And um, I kept my announcements a lot more brief than last week to give me a little more time to talk. But First Corinthians chapter six. I'll give you a quick. I'll give you a quick commercial though. In here, if you're not aware of it, uh, we do offer. We record all of our service, or just the sermons. We record all of our sermons and we publish them on podcasts and Google Play and um, Spot. It's even on Spotify, and um, and so that is uh, that's offered to you guys weekly. And so if you ever just miss a Sunday for some reason, or maybe you're back in the kids <coughs> serving, they're normally available by Monday or Tuesday at the latest. You can go online and catch that, or or do what I do when I when I listen to a sermon. I have to listen to it a few times. Because I can't really catch it all in one in one sitting, and so maybe just listen to it a second or a third time in your week, just to help, just to help kind of. I mean, I, I go back and listen to them, and I'm the one speaking them, and I'm like, oh man, I missed that. I'm like, I said it, but I missed it somehow. So, um, so let's look at First Corinthians chapter six, verse twenty, real quick. Paul talking here to the church at Corinth, and uh, he said, "For God bought you." At a high price. So you must honor God with your body. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Remember this is Paul. He's talking to the church at Corinth. If you know anything about the church at Corinth. You know they were a flat out mess. I never did understand why any church would name their church Corinth. <laughs> because, I, But I did. I went to a church called Corinth growing up as a kid. And I thought what a horrible church to name your church after. Because they had a lot of issues. But a lot of churches have issues. But. If you'll remember, there's a lot of stuff going on in Corinth. You got, you got like son-in-laws sleeping with like their their dad's new wife, and like you got all sorts of crazy stuff going on in Corinth. You got men with men and women with women. You got just all sorts of sexual immorality, crazy stuff going on. It's all right here in the Bible. This was written, you know, two thousand years ago, and all this stuff's going on. It's happening in the church. You got people getting drunk off communion at the church of Corinth. They're sneaking in, drinking all the wine and communion, and at the church and getting drunk, and um. And so this is a pretty this is a pretty interesting church. And so he's saying, Paul Paul's kind of fed up with him, and he says, "Don't you know, you don't belong to yourself." That's what verse back up nineteen says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Like, don't you realize how special you are, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. If you jump over about a, about a breath later and. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23. Paul, Paul extrapolates and he says, God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. He, the first time he just said, God paid for you. You were bought. And then he goes on a little bit further and he goes, I don't think you realize, like, God paid a lot. Like, he paid a high price. Like, you weren't cheap. You weren't a discount item. You weren't, you weren't on sale. Like, he paid full value and then some for you he has bought you romans chapter 5 verse 8 even says that that while we were still sinners while we were still gross while we were still in our mess that that was at that moment that christ paid for our sins and it wasn't thinking of us at this fairy tale ending or that we would get ourselves together or or us all dressed up and ready for church it was in our mess that christ paid for us and, you know, you didn't come cheap. But what you have to realize is that every person in this room has already had all of their sins paid for. They've already been purchased. Everyone in this room has already been purchased. And those people out there, too, those in that house, those at every other church in this town, those sitting at home today, their sins have been paid for. 
Okay, they've been purchased. But there is a very big difference between something being paid for and then someone actually owning something. And that's what I really want to talk about today is maybe you've been paid for, but are you owned by him? Okay, because he's paid the price. Okay, he's bought you at not only a price, but a high price. But does he own you? You know, they always say possessions, nine tenths of the law, right? I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they always say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come to think of it, the people that have said that to me, I don't trust. <laughs> but they do say that <laughs> while they have my stuff. <laughs> but <clears throat> he may have paid for you, but does he own you? Are you within his possession? That's really what's going to matter at the end of this thing. Not whether or not you are paid for, you are. You have been paid for. Okay? Everyone has. But will you let him own you? This week, as, a, as I was looking at this, the Lord put on my heart a couple of times the story of um, Hosea. And I want to look at, uh, look at Hosea chapter 1. Hosea, the story of Hosea and Gomer is a story that, I don't know, probably every few months I, I just have to go through and I have to read it. And I'm always in disbelief at this story and how crazy it is. Be in Hosea chapter one. Oh man, I can't. Small book, small book. Quit losing me. Here it is. Hosea chapter one. Let's just look at this. I'll talk about the story in detail, but I'm going to look at it just just a few verses. So, uh, Hosea chapter one verse two. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, "Go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution." This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And so, this is an interesting thing that you know. So, Israel, you know, you understand Israel is God's children. And you understand that us in Christ, we, we are God's children. And so a lot of these messages, they're so spot on to our relationship with Jesus as well. as Anytime in the Old Testament we see that something's directed at Israel, you could just throw your name in there if you want to. Okay, So he did this to, to, to illustrate um, how Stephen had acted like a prostitute. Or how Chris had acted like a prostitute. Or how Jesse had acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like me. I never worshiped anything else. And of course you have. You know, of course you have. Just so many times. I have. We all have. Just worshiped other things. Put them in the wrong priority, the wrong place, and submitted our lives to them. Anything we submit to, we worship. Right? Maybe you never, maybe you never set your paycheck on the mantle of your home and sang a song of praise to it. Okay? But you do submit your life to it because you worked 80 hours for it. Right? So, this is what he's saying here, but this story is bizarre because he tells he tells Hosea, he goes, go and marry a prostitute. Okay? And Hosea does it. He goes and he marries this beautiful lady by the name of Gomer. <laughs> right? You know she was attractive. Okay? Gomer. And, um, you know, and so the, how, the entirety of this story would be so different if she just had a normal name, wouldn't it? You know, something just regular, you know, but no, Gomer. Go and marry this lady named, this prostitute named Gomer, so that, so that your children, her children will be conceived in prostitution. And verse 3 goes on to say, So Hosea married Gomer, 
And, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And then jump, jump over to chapter 2 because I'm just going to fly through this because i got so much ground to cover today. But I just kind of want you to know about how this story went a little bit. Please read it on your own this week. It will blow your mind what happens here. But Hosea marries this prostitute, Gomer, and Gomer runs off again on him. And in case you ever wanted some horrible or some good advice, don't marry a prostitute. It's not great. It's not great advice, but it's what the Lord tells Gomer, what tells Hosea. He says, "Go marry a prostitute." But what would be your worst nightmare about marrying a prostitute? That she would run off and prostitute, right? Yeah, that there's a life lesson in there somewhere, right? Yeah. And so what happens is they they're literally have a, they have a child together, and she runs off. She disappears and she goes back to selling herself again to, to whomever. And, and look at just, just two, chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to look at this real quick. But this is the Lord speaking. And remember, all this is, is, is an illustration to show God's relationship with you, God's relationship with Israel. And the Lord says, but then I will win her back. Once again, I will lead her into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her there. Tenderly. Does that sound like the way you would speak to your wife if she ran off and sold herself to prostitution? I will win. I will win her back. I will win her back. That doesn't sound like the way a husband would normally speak. A husband would think, I'll let her go. (laughs) Right? I'll draw up the papers. That's how he's I'll win her back. That's, that's the way the Lord's speaking to us is how much he loves us. Is Yeah, I know you turned away from me and I know I already paid for you and you're mine and you ran off and you sold yourself again, but I'm going to win you back. I'm going I'm le- to get you alone and I want to speak tenderly to you. And so later on in this story, you know, the, the craziest thing happens because later on, um, you know, Gomer's actually being sold to the highest bidder. You know, I mean, this was just prostitution. It's just brutal, especially during this time. I mean, they would have they would have probably had Gomer stripped down, naked, standing on some pedestal or something like that, as men would just come up and just place bids on her to own her as their own personal sex slave. That's the way that this this would have been at this time. And it says that that Hosea actually comes to where the bidding is taking place, and he buys her back. How crazy is that? Like that's your wife. And you're going to, man, if I came upon this situation, I was in Hosea's shoes, I wouldn't be paying. I'd be punching. You know what I mean? Quit bidding on my wife. Get off of there. Cover up. But I can just imagine he walks in there. You know, he walks in there. And as everyone else is making their bidding, he simply bids highest. Says, she's mine. She's mine. She's, she's, she's always been mine. I want her back. And so he buys his own wife back. And this is the same way it is with us and Jesus. We're his, right? But we sell ourselves. We sell ourselves to, to whatever the highest bidder is, whatever we think is the most promising, whatever is the most alluring, whichever job pays the most, whatever, whatever you know, it, we, we, we sell all of our time and everything. And there's Jesus in the background saying, yeah, but I pay the most. And I, want to, and I want to win you back. I want to get you alone. I want to speak tenderly to you. Because I paid the highest price. He says, I bought you at a high price. He says, I, I don't care. I don't care who you slept with. 
I don't care how many times you've been married. I don't, I don't care about that at all. I don't care about what drugs you do. I don't care if you're high right now. I don't care if you're drunk right now. I don't care. I simply will pay the most for you. That's how much I love you. Right? He, he, he walks in and sees Gomer up there. Can you even imagine not seeing your wife for a certain amount of time? You've had children with her. She's ran off. She's left you. She's prostituted. She's selling herself. She's being bid on. Hosea doesn't come in. He doesn't lecture her. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He simply wins her back. That's how great his love is. And that's how great the love is that Jesus has for us. It, just, it doesn't even make sense. Your mortgage was upside down and you owed a lot more than it looked like you were worth. But Jesus said, I'll pay it all. I'll pay it all. Every bit of debt that you have and every bit that you will accumulate, I'll pay for all of it. But just because you've been paid for doesn't necessarily mean that you've been changed. Because you have to let the new owner change you. Later on in this story, look at Hosea um, chapter 3. Later on in this story, Hosea chapter, well, let's look at, we'll look at verse 2 in chapter 3. So it says, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. He paid a high price to get his wife back. Then I, but then I said to her, this is important, don't miss this. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. You got to quit. You've got to quit doing this. Okay, because just because you've been paid for doesn't mean you've been changed. You have to let the change happen. She's saying, I paid for you, but now you've got to let me change you. You have to obey the changes that he wants to make in your life in order for him to own you. Otherwise, just because Hosea paid for Gomer doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to own her. She could run back off again if she wants to. So he's saying, you can't do this anymore. You've got to quit selling yourself. Please, you've got to quit doing this. And this is the way it is with us and Jesus too. Notice that, the, notice that the correction doesn't come before the price was paid. Right? Notice that he doesn't run in there and go, I'm thinking about buying you, but you can't be doing this again. No. He pays. He takes her home. And then he says, you, you can't do this again. And that's the way it is with us and Jesus. The price is paid. And he says, don't do that again. It's kind of like if one man buys another man's business. Nothing really changes until they change what they store on the shelves, right? You know, they, 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 they I remember when the hardware store in town was, uh, was changing, and I heard it was becoming an ace. And um, I went up there, and I looked around, and I noticed that, that it was still just a hardware store. Mm-hmm. You know? But, like, maybe someone had bought it, but it was clear to me that they didn't own it yet. Because it still was, just looked like a hardware store, right? It doesn't really matter if they put a sign on the door that said ace or not, if everything they sell was still the same old stuff that the hardware store was selling before, it wasn't an ace yet, right? You understand what I'm saying? Just because, just because it had been paid for and it was about to come under, under new ownership doesn't mean that actually that the business was any different. So what did they begin to do if you were driving past that, the ace during that time? You'll know that what they began to do is they started clearing their shelves. They started to put everything on clearance. They had to sell everything fast. And clearance is what, what you do when you have to clear old merchandise in a hurry to make room for the new merchandise that's coming. Right? They, so they put, out, they put out, if you remember driving past, there was an incredible amount of signage. <laughs> like everywhere. Like the whole hardware store during that season just was signs that said sale, sale, sale. And like every day it got increasingly more. It started at like 20 and then 30 and then 40. And at the end, it was just like, we'll pay you to take it. It's 5% towards you if you can come haul it off. They had to get rid of this stuff because, because the ownership had changed and it couldn't stay the same anymore because not the same person owned it anymore, right? 
So it had this old merchandise on the shelves, but it says somebody's already paid for this. So we've got to get the old stuff out because the new person who owns it's going to want to put new stuff in, right? Do you understand what I'm saying here? And 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 um, you know, Family Dollar's doing this right now too. I'm giving you guys commercials today. Family Family Dollar's doing this right now too. Just so you know, if you want to swing by there after church, they've got some clearances going on. They're trying to get out their stuff out of there too. And this is what Hosea tells Gomer. He says, "You're going to have to close up shop. I've paid for you, but you're going to have to close down the business." We've got to get rid of this old merchandise because there's some new stuff in our lives and it just can't, it can't coexist with that other stuff. You've got to turn away from it. It's like 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. It says the new is here, the old is gone. Right? The new merchandise has arrived, but we've got to make room for it in the store and get rid of the old stuff. But what's happening in our churches all over the world, I see that, is that people are just wanting to change the name on the sign but do business the same way. And that's, why, that, that's honestly why so many people are so disgusted with the church and so disgusted with Christians. It's because too many people want to simply change this, the name of the sign on the door but not change any of the merchandise inside. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're, they know that they've been bought at a high cost but they don't want to sacrifice or change any of the product that, that, that's within. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, but, but and I'm fine, but look at, uh, look at Romans. Uh, you can get there if you want to, but I'm just going to read it. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. You guys are probably familiar with this verse, and it says, Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Church has been preaching that verse for a long time because it's very comforting. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, like, isn't that an awesome verse? But, but we don't understand that so often of the time because we think, well, golly, if I could just get someone to say Lord, then they're fixed, right? Just I should just go up to people and go, hey, man, you, you should just say Jesus is Lord. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. And you'll be, you'll be good. You'll go to heaven. Maybe something would happen if they said it. I believe that. Life. Speak life. But it's not that magical... Letters being put together in the form of, of a short sentence that's going to change someone's life. It says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, meaning, what does the word Lord mean? It means master. It means owner. These are, these are synonyms for Lord, people. Land, like a landlord, right? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, anyone who lets me own them will be saved. Anyone who lets the ownership change of the business of your life will be saved. That's what that verse is saying, right? Anyone who lets them, we're all paid for. It's no credit to you to just believe that you've been paid for. We're all paid for. But, but what credit is if, if you never make any room on your shelves? That's what matters, is that the Lord's stuff is actually in you, right? Jesus says, you'll know the tree by the fruit that it bears, by the stuff, by the stuff on the shelves, by the surplus, by the inventory. That's what matters. Don't just change the name of the sign on the door. Don't just wear a Christian t-shirt, Right? It's not going to get you anywhere. And if you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, this makes it incredibly clear, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, that's not going to work. Just because you change the name of your signage, it's not going to matter. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, is going to get in, but only those who do the will of my Father. Only those who start supplying the stuff that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. Only those people. 
Only those who do business in the way that my father does business. Right? You have to let him take ownership. Look at, I will look at this one briefly. Look at Luke. Look at Luke chapter 2. Real quick, this is Luke chapter 2 verse, um, we'll pick up from... Uh, we'll look at verse 49. I'm not crazy about my phrasing on my translation, though. I'm just going to, I'll, I'll end up paraphrasing it a little bit. But but if you know a little bit about this story, so this this story is Jesus is like 12 years old, and he, he kind of sneaks off from his parents, and because and, Jesus was a rebel like that. And he, he snuck off from his parents, and uh, he ends up in the temple. And uh, they're looking for him. This story has actually always cracked me up because I'm, I think it says it's been a couple of days, actually. And I thought, how do you lose your kid for a couple of days? It almost sounds like they didn't notice. But there, it says, when they, let's pick up in, in 45. How about this? It says, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, see, I thought it was good. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why, why have you done this? Your father, have I, we've been frantic searching for us everywhere. But Jesus says, but why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know, this says, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Translation that I'm a little more comfortable with there is, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Right? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? He said, why are you surprised to see me living the way that I believe? Why are you surprised to see that I'm storing things that are different on my shelves? Don't you know that this is my father's business that I'm a part of? You know, he says, I don't understand why you're frantic. I don't know why you're freaking out. Of course, we know why they were freaking out because he was a kid. (laughs) But he says, why are you surprised by this? That verse was heavy on my heart a lot whenever I found out we were going to spend a lot of time at the church office. The Lord kept saying to me, well, Stephen, it's okay because that it's an office because you're about my business. And I thought, okay, I'll live with that. You know, he says, we got business to do here, Stephen. And that's what he's saying to you, too. Is, you, know, you got business to do. You got you to get that old junk off the shelves. We've got stuff that, that, I've got stuff that I want to supply here. I've got, I've got some grace and some mercy and some love that I want to use your life to give other people. Right? And but they've got to be able to find it in you. And what happens is if you just change the name of the sign on your door, then they'll find the opposite there, but then they'll be put off by the name of Jesus because they won't have a correct understanding of it because you said his name but denied it by what was inside. Do you see what I mean? How disappointed would you be if out shopping if you saw a big sign for a store that said Bed Bath & Beyond and you walked in and there was nothing but tractor supply stuff? Uh-huh. You're like, man, I'm in the wrong place. Uh-huh. Right? That's what happens in our lives. People are going, oh yeah, I go to church, I go to church. And you spend a couple of days with them and you're like, oh, I don't ever want to go to church if it's going to make me like you. <laughs> right? I don't care. It doesn't matter if you invite them or not. You should come. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm afraid that I would become like you. And you're horrible. That's what happens whenever we're going to say that we're a Christian or we're going to say we're a part of the vine. But we're going to keep that old, junky, expired, nasty stuff on the shelves. Right? People are going to get around and they're going to taste that. They're going to want any part of that. You know? And so that's why, that's why Jesus says here, why are you surprised? I've got to be about my father's business. I've got to be different. I have to be different from everyone else because, because I've been changed. And um, 
you know, so we've been, we know that we've been paid for. Now we have to let him take what is his. By your own free will, you have to let him run his business in your life. And, and you think, well, how do we start this? How do we start this process? If I know that I've been paid for this morning, how do I start letting the Lord run his business in my life? And the first thing is you need to have a going out of business sale. I mean, flat out, you need to clear the shelves for new merchandise, but you can't do it alone. It's too great of a burden to get rid of all of the junk that you've been hoarding and collecting in your life for the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 years. You need some help. You have to submit to this new management. You, you need someone who specializes in clearing out spaces. You guys remember the story of Jesus walking past the temple? Passion for God's house consumed him, and he noticed what was happening within the temple should not have been within there. They were stealing and robbing and trying to sell people sacrifices, and and all this was going on. Do you remember how Jesus, he sits down and he crafts a whip, and he goes into the temple, and he flips over the table, and he drives everyone out, right? That's the kind of management that Jesus offers in your life if you submit to him. Right? Because what, what was the first verse that we read in 1 Corinthians? It says, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. Okay? You know, and people don't realize, Jesus actually did that twice. Okay? It's pretty crazy when Jesus does something twice. Okay? When Jesus does something more than once, I really take note. Like, he fed the 5,000 once, and there's a separate account where he fed 4,000. You know? But he also drove out the temple at the beginning of his ministry and at the end. And I think that's fascinating because that's just how, how passionate he was for there not being the wrong stuff within the temple of God. And if you are the temple of God, how much more passionate is he about driving out the old stuff in your life? Right? If you'll submit to his management and say, Lord, come, come in here. I know you already paid for me. Let's not just change the sign. Here's the key. Come in and get rid of it. Drive it all out. Flip it over with it. If you want to, I don't care. You know, because the word of God says that you are now the temple of God. You've got bitterness and sorrow and revenge and lust and lies and past failures and hurts and pain and insecurities and dreams and hopes and plans on your shelves. But you need to invite Jesus in to get rid of it all. To get rid of it all. It's kind of like the, fa- the last sign that they put out before, you know, they're like really closing the door. They say everything must go. Everything must go. If you want to follow Jesus, that's your life. Everything. Everything must go. Because the Lord has a whole truckload of blessings that He's waiting to unload in your life just as soon as there is room for it. I mean, He's got them. He absolutely has these things. He'd like to put joy in your life just as soon as there's a place to set it. Right now, where would He put it? Your shelves are stocked. You've got so much harbored bitterness and regret from your last you know, marriage, from your last failure, from your last job, where would the Lord put joy in your life? There's no room on the shelf. But He wants to put it there as soon as there's a place. The Lord says, I have a plan for you, I have peace for you, I have purpose for you, but I just need a place to put it. I need so that's why He says to the rich young ruler, He says, sell it all. He says, everything must go. He said, what must I do to be perfect? You want to know what you must do to be perfect? You've got to... Sell it all. Put it all in clearance. It's all got to go. Everything's got to go. If you want to see the Lord do a new thing in your life, you have to get rid of the old stuff. You have to get rid of it. Hope, joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. They take up a lot of room. 
These are big items. How big is love? How much room does that take up in your 2,000 square foot vessel? A lot. A lot. It takes up a lot of room. And these, these sort of products, they can't coexist with what's already in our store, right? Right? Light and darkness, they can't even be in the same place at the same time. So that, that, that bitterness is going to have to be driven out for, for this peace to abide, you know? And, I, and, and, and he says, you've got to let me in. You've got to let me in, and I'll show you what can stay, and I'll show you what needs to go. But you've got to let me in. I paid for you, and I'll wait patiently for you as long as it takes that you let me come in and own the place. But just know I have bought you already. I have already paid the highest price for you. If you'll just let me in and let me manage it. And I know that there are people in this room who genuinely have had closeout sales of their flesh. And now they're full of the Spirit of the Lord. But, but this is a continuing, never-ending process. From glory to glory until we're on the other side of eternity. We, can, we must never think. We must never think that, are, that we're complete that our shelves are fully stocked in just the perfect way because they're not yet. They never will be. We must never grow complacent of what we have on our shelves. That's why David talks about in Psalm 139 verse 23, he says, Search me, O God. Examine my heart. Point out anything that offends you. Right? Are we praying those prayers over our life? Come in and check inventory. Right? Like a regional or a district manager comes in and it's going through and looking around in the store, making sure that everything's still supposed to be there. That's what it's like when we get into the presence of the Lord, is this examination on, on, on our temple, making sure that everything is still where it's supposed to be, that nothing's out of date, that nothing's expired, right? That nothing's damaged, right? That this is what, um, I mean, even, even Carlotte's. You know, they have to have like year-end sales. They're, I've been doing a lot of car shopping lately. Even, even at the end of the year, they go, we've got new stuff coming in. The 2019s are about to arrive. So we've got to get rid of the 18s or else we can't take on these new things while these old things are still taking up so much of our space. Or grocery stores. You know, you can't, it's like a grocery store. You can't fully stock a grocery store once. It's not going to work. Right? What's that grocery store going to look like in like a month? Nasty. Mm-hmm. Right? You ever been to like a gas station and like you got to really check the expiration dates on stuff at gas stations because they don't, it doesn't fall off of their shelves there. And like I've picked up a Pop Tart before from like 08. Like, <laughs> like you got to be careful with the gas station food. No joke. Okay? But that's what, that's what people try to do with their lives. They try to, they go to church. They have this life-altering experience where they realize they've been paid and they want to let the Lord own, own them. And they let this new inventory flood their shelves. And then they never enter back into His presence to make sure that it's all supposed to still be there. Mm-hmm. Right? Because even some of the good things that the Lord does in your life are only good for a season. Mm-hmm. Right? And these, some of these things will rot if they're there too long. Right? You ever had a job in your life that was great for a while? There came a time that that job that brought you so much joy begins to bring you so much misery. It's okay. It's, it's okay that that goes away now. And if you get into the Lord's presence, He could reveal to you that, that, that what was good for a season has now got to go away. We have to seasonally take inventory of our lives and find new places for Him to fill us with more and more of what He wants and less and less of what we already have. We have to make sure that there's not any idle things that are taking up space that God could be using. 
You know, we've got these things sitting around, this, these giant shelves that need to be consolidated or these big items that just aren't selling and they need to shrink. You know, we, we've got to have that time where we say, examine me, God, because, because what we don't sell, what we don't get rid of, it keeps him from using me because I don't have any space for him. I want to look at one final verse and it's in Acts chapter 2. And um, you have to know that he can't put new merchandise on your shelves if, it, if your shelves are already full of your stuff. I mean, if you've already got all your stuff on there and all your, all your bitterness and all your pain and all your hurt and all your stressing and all your worry, there's no room for his stuff. There's no room for the things that he wants to give you. Look at, look at Acts chapter 2 verse Look at verse 38. Peter replied, well, let's back up to 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Pierced their hearts to know that Jesus had paid for them. As it should pierce your heart today too, to know that you've been bought at a high price, just the highest price that Gomer was bought for, Jesus has bought for you, and he could care absolutely less about who you sold yourself to, what you've done. None of that matters. One leg to him. It doesn't matter if you've been married three times, eight times, 42 times. I could get you some biblical counseling, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care one iota. Not a little bit. Nothing. He doesn't care about that. He said, I paid. I'll pay. The highest price. So those words pierced his hearts. And so they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What should we do now that we've been paid for? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice the order. Each of you must repent of your sins. You must get rid of the old. You must clear the old shelves. You must let the ownership change over to Jesus Christ and do that through public confession, through baptism. And then because of the amount of room that you have in your being, you'll be full of this new thing, which is the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit, which will now fill and flood your life because all the old stuff will be gone to have room for this new amazing thing. Right? That's what he tells them. He says, repent and be baptized. Get rid of your old stuff and then receive the new stuff. And so this morning we just have to look at our lives and we have to just think, what's on the shelves? What is on the shelves? Because if it's not his stuff, then it's not his store. Mm -hmm. It's not. It doesn't matter what the name says outside. It doesn't matter what you've called yourself. It doesn't matter if you've said, I believe. Have you let him take ownership of what he's paid for? He paid the highest price for you. But he will wait patiently for you to let him in so that he can drive out the old and replace it with the new. Right? So he can fill you to the fullness with his Holy Spirit. And that's when your life will begin to drastically change because it will be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those things will be on your shelves. And if they're not, then he doesn't own the store. He doesn't own the store. And so, you know, as we're at the end of the year, this is a perfect time to have a year-end sale. (laughs) 
it's a, it's a perfect time to get rid of everything that you know has just been sitting around too long. You know, it's just rotting there. It's taking up space where other good things could be. And and this morning, maybe you just know, I just need to finally give him the key so that he can come in and let, let just own this store and just get rid of all this junk. Let's let's stand and sing a song.